G'day, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Military Mindset for Business podcast, where today I'm talking to a a good friend and someone I find uh, really fascinating with a great story to tell. It's Mark Skirpiak from Vantage Point. Mark, how are you today? I'm well, Pete. How are you? Mate, I'm really good. I'm really good. Um, Now, I've been really interested in chatting to you because one of the things that is really powerful in the military is supply chain. Now, for those out there that um, you know are not really familiar with the military, there's two broad pathways we can choose. You've got the gallant warfighters who are you know riding their steeds of iron or you know, you know charging into battle with their bayonets, uh, and then you've got um, people like me, the humble logisticians, who are in the rear with the gear or you know behind the warfighters, making sure that they are you know sustained and 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 have everything that they need for the fight. Now, you are an interesting position because you sort of cross over both of these sides. Um, you're an infantry sergeant in the Army Reserves, but you're also a supply chain expert in the civilian world. So I'm really interested to have a chat about the, how you blended those two worlds and, and your experiences. Yeah, sure. Thanks, uh, Pete, for having me on. And it's great to, great to join you this morning. So... Um, yeah, I suppose my story is um, I have a passion and have had a passion for supply chain ever since um, I started uh, in a warehouse, putting myself through uni and then um, started going through that process and went, hey, I really want to join the army um, and, you know, serve and then hopefully lead at some stage and decided to, uh, yep. Yeah, do the whole Kapuka thing and um, chose to be um, a gallant warfighter, as you say, <laughs> um, and but appreciate, um, you know, all the logisticians and all the guys with the gear in the rear. Um, and, you know, being fortunate enough to, as you say, blend both of those passions to, together. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. Oh, perfect, mate. So can I just unpack a little bit about... Um, now, what the, what the army reserves like, and um, having never done it myself, is what? How long have you been doing it for? You know, tell us a little bit a bit about your training and what the you know the both the obligations and the commitments are to being a you know a reservist in the infantry. Sure, um, I'm actually coming. I think tomorrow is my twentieth year since I've enlisted. So, uh, twenty years um, in the army reserve has been. You know, it's a part-time job. It's an interesting part-time job. Um, you are fortunate enough to um, step into it when you feel like it. And then sometimes people, you know, step out when they don't feel like it or their lives take a turn, whether you're, for me, you know, had to a little bit of a pause while I was doing my master's of business uh, and raising a family. So the benefit of the Army Reserve is gives you flexibility. Right. Yep. And what are some of the what are some of the cool things you've been able to do in the reserve that you wouldn't have had those experiences at all, you know, in the warehouse life? Oh, um, you know, uh, exercises, trips. Um, you know, more. I haven't done any trips overseas, but certainly a lot of my colleagues and mates have had opportunities to go and serve overseas. Um, the mateship is you know, something that is really good and, and supportive, not only from a from the military sense, but also from a professional sense. You meet lots of other professionals 
um, whether they're lawyers, whether they're doctors, whether they're other warehouse people and you can share those experiences and also benefit professionally from those, uh, you know, those, those friendships. Um, but also it's, you know, being a lad, you know, uh, just going out there, um, you know, patrolling as an infantry soldier, um, you know, with your rifle doing, doing what an infantryman does only, you know, we don't, we're not as proficient as say a full-timer, right? We've got the same yeah. skill sets, but we don't have that same level of proficiency that, you know, full-time ago. And, you know, that's because we only do it part-time. Yeah. Um, we're watching a TV show at home called Alone at the moment. And I am having some very little remote flashbacks to uh, my very, very few times of doing proper bush. And, and I do have a confession to make is that ever since I've left the army, I have not been camping since. Uh, not that I'm scarred by uh, my experience, but I've got young boys now, so I'm going to get back out in the bush and start sleeping on the ground again. But, uh, mate, it's, um, mate, I got to get back into it. But I tell you what, I, I like what you said about there being a lad. Um, Army's the best job I ever had. You know, like without doubt, it was my favorite job. But, you know, as you know, all of us, it has a time and a place. And for me, entrepreneurship and business was ultimately my pathway. But again, to be a lad where you can hang out with, with mates, um, you know, some of the most amazing men and women that I've ever met in my life with a common purpose that are just cracking on and doing things together. Yes. Plus you know, helicopters and guns and bombs and you know, explosives and you know, parachuting and all that kind of good stuff is just par for the course. 100%, 100%. Mate, well, let's get into supply chain because um, I know enough to be dangerous and enough, um, but really that is not far off being incompetent, to be honest. <laughs> so let's really what I want to understand and, and draw out from today is for someone who is looking either to improve their supply chain or to start a business that's got a heavy consideration supply chain, potentially like an e-com business or... Um, I just really want to unpack your expertise about what are some of the basic principles we should look for and then go into some of the more you know, complex components. So let's go back and talk about your journey from that warehouse um, into what is Vantage Point today. Can you share a little bit of that story? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, started in, in warehousing uh, just really at the ground, you know, ground floor. Um, Built my career from the ground up, went into supervisory roles and management roles uh, within warehousing and some large 3PL providers a uh, long time ago. Uh, then transitioned across to, you know, probably an extension of warehousing, which is that inventory management piece. Uh, and then as I grew, I, I really wanted to expand Sort of my horizons and not just be within a warehouse and then took on other roles be it in supply planning demand planning and then you know leading logistics teams uh, and eventually running and being the head of supply chain for some large you know international companies uh, across sort of the the asia or australia region mm. my first experience in uh logistics on an operational perspective was uh, so as a RAMI officer, which is the Royal Australian Electrical and Mechanical Engineers, part of the, our, our platoon was called the Repair Parts Store or the RPS. And because all of the fitters and turners and mechanics needed spare parts to fix stuff, 
Now, the RPS was uh, an, an integral part of us being able to do our job properly. And particularly uh, on operations in East Timor, where like literally getting that RPS, you know, from, you know, getting those parts to fix the stuff so that the infantry guys can do the job and have their armored vehicles and their weaponry when they needed it became really, really, really important. If you don't have the kit to do the job, then you can't do the job with the full capability. Yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff were you working with, with warehousing, like big stuff, hard stuff, cold stuff? What were the actual products? Uh, my career has been, you know, really fortunate from, um, and, and it's been across industry sectors as well. So it's been, um, you know, small parts, um, you know, tiny little screws, uh, all the way to fridges, freezers, uh, dishwashers, and then, you know, in some elements, you know, um, moving boats around as well. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have been involved in some industries such as fashion, light manufacturing, uh, fast moving consumer goods, consumer goods, you know, um, appliances, um, you know, healthcare as well has been a big part of, you know, what I've been doing in as part of vantage point as well. So what do you, you what know. do you find some of those basic considerations are like between those products? Yeah, I think you need to have an understanding of you know what product you're moving, right? So and really understanding what the customer needs, right? So back to the point that you raised about the, the repair store, right? And getting the the parts right to the front to the infantry soldier is one of the key principles that I take into you know speaking to a client is really understanding what their customer needs are and and a key principle that i take into supply chain is you know a customer focus so what does that customer need right do they need the product in a hurry do they need it there uh potentially you know not in a hurry but they need it there more economically and it's really understanding that and then taking that taking that understanding and then pulling it through the organization, right? Whether that's understanding what it needs from a, a freight movement perspective or a warehouse perspective. And, you know, and then that can go through all the way to, you know, the demand, demand management as well as the supply management as well. So, and it's really taking that uh, and reading it back to the client, going, well, this is how I understand your customer you know, and let's see what we can do to, to maximize value. So in terms of demand management, uh, again, knowing enough to be dangerous, there's this term called just-in-time supply chain. Can yeah. you just share what your experience of that is and, you know, what it means and is it applicable today? Um, yeah, again, it's really understanding, you know, the business, the parts that they're moving, certainly just-in-time um, was bringing the the goods to you know um, the the customer or, or holding the minimum of stock um, required. You know uh, now I think my personal view, really post COVID, um, is somewhat changed in the sense that given Australia's geographic location, uh, the constraints that we've had with freight over the COVID period, you know it is potentially more value to an organization to hold more inventory and, and to have mm. more of a buffer rather than bringing inventory in, you know, just in time to, to meet a demand. So, 
again, probably back to, back to my first point there, Pete, is really understanding what the customer's focus is and what the client is, you know, really trying to achieve for their customer. And again, our inventory on the shelf is uh, a severe drain on cash. But again, the reputational risks of not having that stuff when the customer needs it. Now, are you going to let your customer down and not be able to, are they going to go shopping somewhere else if you don't have it? So again, I think going back to that point of yours where understanding your client, understanding your product is really critical here. What about diverse diversification in your supply chain? Um, how important is that? Yeah, certainly. You know, a lot of the work that I did supporting clients over COVID where they may have had a single source supplier, um, there was really a scramble to get, um, you know, a wider footprint of suppliers to, to support their customers. And we, you know, we, we saw with um, protective equipment, you know, whether it was face, face shields, face masks, uh, hand sanitizer, whatever it was, you know, um, organisations were just trying to get the inventory from from everywhere. Now, mm. again, depending on the products that that particular organisation, you know, is selling, some would, um, well, uh, the approach may be to have multiple suppliers, but again, you know, the, the point that I'm trying to make is, you know, it depends what you're selling, right? So if it's, you know, quite an agnostic product and, and you can get it from multiple sources, there's a great deal of benefit from being able to, you know, um, diversify that supply chain. But then then there is some other products that are being sold by organisations that that's just not feasible. Um, mm. And again, that's where, you know, um, organisations like mine could come in and, and, you know, really put other strategies around it. So, you know, um, deeper deeper inventory holdings for example or um, securing your supply chain in other ways um, you know such as strengthening relationships with the manufacturer and, and shipping lines if it is coming from from overseas and and again you know back to that first sort of principle it's it's around that customer right and and inventory is a burden on cash um, particularly if it's not moving and, and sitting on the shelf and it really is for the organization's leadership to understand, you know, what position that they want to play. Um, you know, are they happy to um, maybe not service the, their customer because they're balancing cash? And that's something that there's no, I don't believe that there's ever a right or wrong answer uh, because inventory comes, inventory goes, the needs of a customer change. So there's all, you know, this continuous improvement and this continual look at, you know, what you're doing within the supply chain, you know, is particularly important and something that I constantly do for, for clients and testing the waters and, and, you know, doing a litmus test on, you know, where they are at, at sort of any given time. It must be all, you know, again, the complex planning of this. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, which is why we have supply chain professionals and, a quick example from my first experience out of the army was we started a little window lock business. Uh, and I literally had, I remember in the first sort of month, I had about six or seven boxes of window locks that were sitting in the shed and not moving, probably worth about eight or 900 bucks. And I was like, oh, so much money worth of locks there. But then the business exploded to the point that we were buying, you know, 20, 30 grand worth of window locks every week just to keep 
just to keep things going. And then we had some real risks because we were using a single supplier and we weren't really sure what was going on. So we tried to diversify, but then because there was such a demand for the time, because it was a legis legislation piece, all of a sudden now we're in a factory, you know, with hundreds of boxer locks worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars at any moment sitting on the shelf. But if we didn't get that mix right, then the 30 or 40 staff we had, it's so many deeper complications into operations. Now, the biggest problem for me was when all the window locks were put onto the buildings of Sydney and the legislative legislated needs were met, I got stuck with about bloody 300 boxes of locks. Mm. So my first little worry of having three or four boxes lying around in my shed, now I've got hundreds of these boxes and no one to buy them. Yeah. And, and I lugged them around for about two and a half years yeah. uh, until I could finally sell them for a buck a lock. Yeah, but it's, it, but that was um, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in a little business like ours. Uh, you know, do, doing probably you know three or four million dollars of revenue a year at the time. Tens of thousands of dollars of inventory just sitting there, which ultimately just went for nothing. So, and again, I guess that my point there is, doing this properly can be such a driver of success for the business rather than just cuffing it and making it up on the run. In your experience, how do you see yourself making the biggest difference for amateurs like me who are running it themselves to bringing a professional like you into the business to actually gripping it up? Yeah, I think um, you're bringing an understanding of what other businesses do. You know, one of the benefits of engaging with a professional, whether it's a legal professional, an accounting professional or a marketing professional you know, is bringing that subject matter expert in into your business, right? For a supply chain, it's exactly the same thing, yeah. right? You know, that challenge that you spoke about in your early business is a challenge that many businesses have, you know, from a small business all the way up to large corporates. And a key thing around supply chain and supply chain professionals is being able to synchronise all of that, whether that's the operational piece or work toward or work with the supply and demand managers and planners and synchronize the supply and demand, right? So that the challenges that you face in your business are mitigated, um, known, um, and to some extent, trying to eliminate them as much as possible through proper planning, right? And one of the things that I love about being a supply chain professional and, and within sort of my field of endeavor is that I am fortunate enough to speak cross-functionally, right? So speak to the, you know, and work closely with CEOs and MDs, speak to the sales team, speak to the marketing teams, really understand what they're doing and what's happening in the marketplace, bringing that back into the business and working with demand and supply managers and really, um, synchronizing, you know, synchronizing that effect of, you know, when to bring product in, when not to bring product in, cannibalization of product, turning a product off when it's, you know, when the legislation changes and, and the product's no longer required. Tell us a little bit about, you know, it sounds like a cool term, cannibalizing a product. I know uh, I, from my military experience, cannibalization was something that uh, was a last resort. And you would just want something that wasn't done. How, how have you seen 
what's your definition of cannibalization in this respect and and how does it work yeah i think um it's just know, a cool word cannibalization yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, i think uh, products move quickly you know whether it's fashion or, or whether it's a tech product it, it's got a quick life cycle you know um you know once that product is you know end of life you know it you need to move it um, as quickly as possible right mm. before the next product otherwise it's sitting on that shelf um for ever and a day or or, or you're you, you know you're binning it so you know, it's really understanding when that product's going to be, you know, effect, essentially cannibalized or end of life, you know, really yep. handling that through through the supply chain, um, you know, working with the sales and marketing team and going, right, we are, you know, and, and the product management team and go, hey, we're aware that this product's going to be, you know, end of life, it's going to, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, we are moving it through that supply chain before the next product comes in, right? Otherwise, you know, it's going to have an impact on our new product, right? When you bring in a product uh, into market, you want it to have the best possible success um, and, you know, have the best possible value to the organisation, right? Um, and sometimes that's a really small window. If you look at fashion, you know, you're launching a new, uh, you know, a new fashion garment, right? You want it to have the best possible success because uh, it has only a very short life. Like when it comes to fashion, mate, I'm sorted because I wear a white t-shirt and a black cap every day. So I'm, I'm sorted from the fashion front. Um, <laughs> mate, uh, one of the things I thought was uh, interesting in your point there was um, really getting involved with the different elements of the business and getting, you use that word synchronization. Um, I guess the two most powerful words that I got out of uh, my military experience was synchronization and orchestration. Yeah. Now, orchestration is bringing all the right pieces together at the right time, i.e. the orchestra. Synchronization is can you make them play the right note at the right time? Yeah. And one of the things that's always a challenge in business is, uh, you know, sales promises, but yeah. can operations actually deliver? You know, sales will do the sales will do whatever they have to do to get that you know that deal across the line and meet their targets, and and all of a sudden the poor operations team down in the warehouse they're like man, where, where is this coming from? We haven't got that. Or I don't, I don't think we can do that. So really being able to understand, you know, into the minutia of the business, the relationships, the yes. politics of it all is a really powerful thing to get it right. Yeah, 100%. You know, what's, you know, the supply chain is one of those functions that can really build some value for the organisation, right? Whether it's, you know, um, you know, cost reduction activities around freight or, or just being really swift with um, purchasing um, or, you know, space utilisation, right? Mm. You know, one of the things that certainly I take to my clients is really this um, engagement, right? And, and engaging, you know, cross-functionally but as well as up and down through the hierarchy right so from the warehouse floor you know all the way to the boards of directors right and you know to your point Pete, you know synchronizing and orchestrating those those effects to get the best possible value for the organization and sometimes you know like like us all um sometimes you get it right sometimes you get it wrong right mm. um but the, the key point is, you know, and even in many of the organisations that I've led supply chains is, 
you know, really working closely with the sales team, you know, understanding what they are going out into the marketplace with and making sure that the ops team can back it up, right? So, you know, can the ops team meet the promise that the sales, sales and marketing teams are, are doing? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I think that's something that um, I really love doing. I've got a passion for it. You know, I, I, I love going into businesses and talking about, right, you know, what do you want to achieve, right? Where are the potential opportunities that we can improve within the supply chain um, and, you know, really help lead that charge uh, and gain value for, you know, for a client or, um, or for that business. I've got to ask, where have you seen this go disastrously wrong? Have you got any like bad news stories that you can share of like, how getting it wrong in supply chain has, you know, just has some lessons learned for, for others? Yeah, I think um, overzealous sales approaches. Yep. Um, you know, where in particular, uh, you know, start of year or end of year budgeting, um, you know, grand ideas to, you know, hit a, hit a certain number, um, you know, the, uh, the supply chain team, you know, supporting the, the uh, or, or working towards that support, working towards supporting that by bringing in the inventory, you know, based mm. on, you know, based on that, that budget or, or the, the criteria. And then, um, you know, it, the sales team can't, can't get there for what, for whatever reason. Right. Mm. And, you know, it, it then becomes a, a big burden on cash flow and that, and that, you know, um, nothing against salespeople at all. We want salespeople to be positive and upbeat and, you know, and, and, and go-getters. But I think the key point that I'm trying to make there is, you know, we need to have a balanced approach, right? And then, um, yep, what, you know, and, and really scenario plan, right? So what's going to happen if we don't hit that sales number? What could we do with the inventory? Can we bring the inventory in later, um, what if, what if we beat our budget? What, how can we, you know, match the inventory to to those sales above budget? And and really, you know, it's not to take any to detract or make a salesperson's um, you know job any harder, but as a business come together and, and you know, somewhat put together you know um, you know action plans you know action. You know, if you will, from, you know, a military perspective and giving orders perspective, right, action's on, you know, um, and, you know, if, you know, action's on out of stock, action's on sales over budget, right, and, and putting those together and then coming together as a business and somewhat agreeing on and, and, and going, right, this is what's going to happen if this happens. And I think you've really nailed there a real crossover between military mindset and business and what you do here. Uh, and that is all about planning. So what I've found is working with lots and lots of business owners, when they do their planning, they plan for beautiful things to happen. They plan for, hey, we're going to go out and start some marketing. We're going to run some ads and then we're going to get all these leads and then we're going to get all these sales and we'll deliver all this stuff. Okay, so they go through that one, two, three, four, five steps as if everything is just going to be rosy and, you know, like, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas in reality, what we do in the military is we actually plan for everything that's going to go wrong. And as you said, actions on, 
an action on is when when this event occurs, we've already got a plan or an action that we are going to take when that event occurs, which allows us to maneuver and act quickly so we don't get paralyzed and stunned. Yep. So all of those points, you, I think that is something that you know, is critical in, in supply chain management is preparing for what could go wrong. Yep. Um, do you see that being done well in industry or is this standard practice? Uh, no, certainly could be done better. Yep. You know, um, you know, we all like things to go well. Um, and, and, and to your point, you know, businesses within private sector, you know, are always planning for, yep, it's all good. You know, um, everything's going to fine. Everything's going to align like we discussed. Right. Um, but probably not enough, you know, not enough scenario planning, not enough, you know, what, you know, what are the negatives that could happen? What, you know, what happens if our major freight provider falls over, right? And, and some of the work that I've done for clients over the last couple of years is really put together, you know, um, some business continuity plans, you know, um, not, not across, not only across the supply chain, but also, you know, um, around other aspects of their business. Right. And, you know, then point them into the right direction with, you know, partners that could help them, whether that's an IT issue or, or whatever the case is. Um, but also, you know, understanding your risks, you know, what are your risks in supply chain? You know, what are, you know, what happens if there's a vehicle rollover? You know, what, you know, not only from the human element and, and making sure, and that's a big part of, you know, what we do in the military, making sure that our, that our people are looked after, but right, what's, you know, um, an accident happened right we're still you know someone's been hurt we're looking after them but what what's the next steps that we need to do yeah. right you know um yeah have you got any good covid war stories about supply chain you know issues like I, I must admit that i was a little bit of a prepper i did have uh you know probably a couple couple too many rolls of toilet paper hidden under the uh <laughs> hidden under the stairs and you know i did do a little bit of a let's call it inventory management and warehousing uh, during that time. But what was it like as a, as a professional in, in this time with just that, the chaos, were you working in global supply chains at the time or more of a domestic situation? Where were you during COVID and what was that experience like for you? Uh, working with, you know, working with clients. So from a own business perspective, you know, um, tough, a lot of people, you know, really um, it wasn't an area that they, you know, chose to spend in. Um, from a supporting clients' perspective, um, you know, managing and helping them through a very difficult time, whether it was um, getting freight in, um, working through pathways of how they could, you know, source other products, to, you know, advising them, hey, if you've got capacity, uh, and, and and when I say capacity, financial capacity to buy more inventory, you know, do so, right? And, and a couple of those businesses took those advice and they really shot off in terms of sales because they were within that segment or within that, their particular niche, they had inventory where their competitors didn't. And that was, you know, a real benefit. And that was, you know, maybe back to some earlier points that we made, that was a real key learning for me, right? So is you know really focus on the customer and blending you know inventory finance all of those things you know and understanding which levers to move 
and what you know what you're prepared to do so um and that's something that you know COVID certainly reinvigorated me and, and the importance of supply chain management particularly in Australia um you know and also gave me a taste to say you know can we support more local manufacturing yeah you know absolutely um, you know, and, and the more that we can do, whether it's for small startups or, or medium-sized organisations that are already established, you know, let's, um, you know, let, let's see what we can, you know, what I can do as a supply chain professional to help those organisations. It really does seem like you're um, part crystal ball gazer, you know, part, uh, you know, lever puller, you know, in terms of everything's predicted, everything's in the future, you know, it's like, it's always, you know, your best educated uh, assessment of the situation and what you're going to do next. But at any time, all of those considerations, a spanner in the works could come in at any time. And then you've got to have your contingency, your redundancy and resilience to say, well, what's next? How are we going to manage it? That's yeah, exactly right. You know, the old, you know, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yeah. So, you know, um, planning in the supply chain is, is a real key thing. Right. And, you know, whether whether you're planning for, you know, all of those actions on and, and some of them eventuate or none of them eventuate, it is better to have the plan in the bag than not planned at all. Yeah. Amen. I think that's just one of those. It's one of the most important things that we we talk about on the military mindset for business is really planning for what could go wrong, not for what's going to go right. Because yeah. that's going to allow you to get a step ahead, to create that advantage over your competitors, because you're going to be able to enact that plan or not just go back and have to reset and do all your appreciations from the start again. Yeah. Um, mate, just as we get towards wrapping it up, I just want to uh, run a bit of a scenario by you, right? So I'm a, one of these ideas guys that I'll come up with a new idea every day. And when I'm traveling overseas, for example, and, you know, wandering the back streets of, you know, Denpasar or the Philippines or somewhere like that, and I see some amazing products and I'm like, man, I could, you know, start a Balinese furniture shop, you know, down the road. What are some of the considerations that people really need to think about on starting an importing business and, and actually making it effective? Like, you know, trade has been the backbone of people have been doing this stuff for thousands of years, sail somewhere, put on a boat, take it back and sell it. What if I wanted to start a new business um, importing something? What are some of the basic considerations I'd want to be thinking about from terms of my supply chain? Um, so import costs, right? So, you know, um, you really understand that product and, and what it means to bring into Australia. You know, so, you know, if it's a timber product, it's, it's going to be fumigated and, and you know, um, our borders need to be protected. So really understanding, you know, some of those fundamentals um really you know turn to a professional and understand you know how much is going to cost to to bring that product in right yep you know, um how, not only from a freight perspective but you've got to store it right so you know how much is it going to stall identification of the right partners right so you know um all the three PLs across the country, you know, do you know uh, do slightly different different things and specialise in, in in one thing or another. So selecting that that right partner, understand what sort of distribution model you're going to have. Are you going to have a, a centralised distribution model where it's all going to come to Sydney, for example, and then be distributed out the last mile from 
from Sydney to the end customer, or are you going to have a, a, a decentralized you know, a warehousing footprint where you're going to have you know half a dozen half a dozen warehouses across the country? Um, you know, and each of those have a different cost variable, and and uh, each of those will also have a different you know customer focus or or a level of customer satisfaction that you could bring to you know to your customers and really trying to blend you know what's the best for that product the market and the customer mate tell us a little bit about vantage point and if i'm a business owner that's tell me about the kind of business owner that needs to that you solve their problem for so if i'm there if i'm here with these problems i should give mark a buzz i think it's um you know, it's any organization that is struggling from a supply chain or operations perspective. So whether that's um, a 3PL that's struggling with their, their warehousing or their processes to an importer or wholesale distribution business that does their own, their own warehousing that are, are struggling with, you know, supply chain leadership challenges uh, to even sort of, you know, small corporate or medium-sized corporate businesses that um, really need their leadership mentored or doing things around sales and operations planning and or integrated business planning and, and really looking to, you know, synchronise demand and supply, uh, generate better connections with sales and marketing to get a better net value for their business. Matt, I think my biggest takeaway from today has been synchronization and redundancy in planning is like, how do we actually make sure that the business is synchronized in all of the different units? Now, we've got to have that, uh, that golden thread of information that is consistent, that everybody has access to, to again, make sure that that customer experience is, uh, they actually get what they want when they expect to get it. And the other part is going back and it's just that same thread every time is planning for redundancy, planning for what could go wrong rather than what can go right. Because when you need it, it's in your back pocket. You can pull it out and you can play the card uh, as the situation arises. Mark, mate, look, thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing a bit of time and, uh, and you know, helping me learn a bit more about supply chain. Um, what's next for Mark and Vantage Point? Um, going out there and helping more businesses benefit from having a, a really slick supply chain. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Military Mindset for Business podcast. Uh, Mark Skirpiak from uh, Vantage Point. You'll find him on LinkedIn. Throw us your uh, your domain, your email. Oh, what is it? Your website? Yeah, vantagepointmanagement.com.au. Good on you, Mark. Have a great day. Thanks very much. You too. Cheers, Pete. Thank you.